We're uh, walking through Paul's letters to the Corinthian church, and we've talked about Corinth. Corinth is just like America today. It was very, very religiously diverse. Everybody kind of believed their own thing, did their own thing. There was sexual immorality. There was corruption in the government and things like that. Stuff was going on. And Paul was trying to get this church to have like a healthy uh, uh, way of looking at it, a way of looking at the world, a way of approaching the world. And so he's addressing different issues. And he says that basically what happens is that issues come up when we take our eye off the ball, when we take our eye off of Jesus stuff happens that we got to fix, right? And so in chapter 12, which is our text today, Paul finally gets to gifts of the Spirit, and that's what we're going to talk about today, okay? Gifts of the Spirit. But I want to ask you before we get started, what is the worst thing that you've ever eaten at a restaurant? What's the worst thing you've ever eaten at a restaurant? For me, um, a couple couple years ago, this was probably 10 years ago, Liz and I, we got to go eat at this really, really nice restaurant. I'm talking like candlelit, linen tablecloths. Like, that's just not me and Liz's game. Like, we were like, hey, Wendy's cool. You know, like, that's us, right? But uh, but we got to go eat at this really, really nice restaurant and this candlelit, like, just enough lighting to where we could barely see each other. And, um, and we were at this place, and um, I ordered a salad before dinner, and I started eating my salad. And I was like, okay, this is really, really good. Um, I don't know what the stressing is, but it's good. And there's just, like, this little ball on the side of my my salad and I kept just kind of pushing away and I was like oh that must be like a piece of cheese and I don't know about you but man you get me in a good cheese and cracker tray like that's my jam right I'm, I'm all day cheese and crackers right and so what I do is I stab that thing with my fork dimly lit restaurant I pop it into my mouth I take a bite out of it it is an artichoke heart right and all of a sudden like I don't mind artichokes artichokes are actually pretty good but if you're expecting cheese and you get an artichoke heart, like literally, like my gag reflect, I'm like, oh, you know, like all this stuff, like running, I had to like walk out of the restaurant to like compose myself back together, because what I was expecting is not what I got. What I was expecting is not what I got, and so many times what can happen in life is when we reach out to our world or when we interact with the world and we interact with other people, the expectation of how a Christian should live or how a Christian should be or, you know, we're, we're human, we mess up, we don't always live up to that. And Paul is addressing this within the church. It's not what I thought I was getting, what how you should be is not how you're really acting. And he talks about this in the Galatian, to the Galatian church too. And he says it this way. He says in uh, Galatians 5 verse 16, he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, then he lists them out in verse 19 through 21. It's not on your screen, but I'll just tell you. Uh, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Right? He's, these are the desires of the flesh. And then he says, and the desires of the Spirit... The things when you have the Spirit leading you, when you have the Spirit, uh, when you're walking with the Spirit, when you're walking and you're having the Spirit direct through you in life, the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then he says this in verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step 
with the Spirit. Apart from God, our lives are driven by controlling motivations. It could be pride. It could be arrogance. It could be, uh, I want to make sure that I'm on top. I want to make sure that that I win. I want to make sure that I'm provided for. We have these controlling motivations, and that's the desires of the flesh that Paul talks about. But Paul challenges us not to cave into these desires, but instead we should put them to death. In verse 24, he says, And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. But then he says the fruits of the Spirit or the evidences of this putting to death of the flesh and the desires of, of, of the desires of the flesh and following the Spirit's leadership, it manifests itself in our lives in these ways. He says these are the fruits of the Spirit. So if you want to live a life that's led by the Spirit and that's directed by the Spirit, where the Spirit is not only working in you, but the Spirit is working through you, then what you have to do is you're going to see that these are the fruits of that kind of life. And these fruits are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so when you and I, we say we want to, to God to do something in us and we want God to do something through us, the fruits are going to be manifested in these ways. These are the traits that you're going to be able to start to walk in when God does this in your life. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 7, says it this way, You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. Thistles, by the way, is where artichoke hearts come from. Um, So for every tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. When we're in step with the Spirit, it manifests itself in the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. The Spirit creates those traits in your life, and that is amazing news. How many of you guys could use a little bit more peace? You're watching the TV right now, right? A little more peace would be really, really good. By the way, Vanessa and I are working on a uh, health uh, thing for our kids, uh, for our kids' ministry, uh, kind of a wellness plan. Is that what we're calling it? Wellness policy, right? Um, if you have a fever, don't come to church. Just watch it online, right? Get better. We'll pray for you. If you were doing communion, call me up. I'll come to your house. We'll do communion, just me and you, right? But let's just be safe, right? Side commercial. Anyway, God can give you some peace. He can give you hope. He can give you love. He can do all this. What, do you need more patience? Yeah. Following the lead of the Spirit can give you more patience in your life. But when we get to 1 Corinthians 12, Paul tells us that there's even more that the Spirit will give us. There are gifts of the Spirit that go beyond the traits of just, or the the fruits of having the Spirit in our life. There are gifts of the Spirit that when we're walking by the Spirit, when we're living by the Spirit, when we're asking the Spirit to work through us, there are gifts that the Spirit gives us to benefit the church. And understanding the groundwork that's laid in verses 4 through 7 of chapter 12 is critical to understanding the gifts themselves. So let's read that. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. 
And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities. You can be doing different things. You, some people like serving. Some people like uh, uh, the, the love languages, you know, gifts of acts of service, you know, encouraging words, things like that. There are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. A variety of gifts, but the same spirit. Variety of service, but the same Lord. Variety of activities, but the same God. Even though we may see one or another gift manifested, we should all understand that they all come from God. Every gift comes from God. Every, the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from God. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says this, to each, to each, my voice just cracked and I'm 38. To each is given the manifestation, the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each. God empowers these gifts in everyone who is a, a member of his church, who follows him. Each is given a manifestation for the common good. This is not just a thing for the pastors. This is not just a thing for the people that lead the small groups. This is not just a thing for, for the people who you think may be spiritually elite or something like that, whatever that is. They're not just for them. They're for all of us. The gifts are for all of us. The gifts are for me. Say that with me. The gifts are for me. Say it again. The gifts are for me, right? The gifts are for me. But here's the thing. God owns the gift. God owns the gift. If you read uh, verses uh, four through six, all these are from the same spirit. They're from, they're, God empowers them in everyone and God's given them the manifestation for the common good. So it's not like I can own the gift of healing. I don't own the gift of healing. It's God's gift of healing. I don't own that. So whenever God chooses to use a gift in me, I understand that he's, he sees a situation, he sees an opportunity in which, again, God's doing a work in me so the Spirit can work through me. So God allows me to have a gift so that I can minister in a situation. But whose gift is it? It's not mine. It's God's. It's God's gift to use in that situation. Therefore, the gifts should not call attention to us. They're not meant to call attention to you. I know a lot of people are like, man, I have the gift of discernment. And so because I have the gift of discernment, I'm the one who's like the gatekeeper for my church and like, like everything has to flow through, through me and I'm, I'm like the judge, jury, and executioner, right? No, the gifts aren't meant to call attention to you. The gifts are meant to benefit the church and benefit the body. These gifts aren't meant to call attention to us. And, and 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says this, that we should earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. We should earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. But if you're desiring them to puff yourself up in some twisted form of spiritual pride, you're missing the mark. You're missing the mark. Spiritual gifts are evidences of Emmanuel. What does Matthew say? Emmanuel is God with us. 
So when we talk about spiritual gifts, what we're talking about is God being a part, the Spirit being active in our everyday lives. God is with us. God is walking with us. He, we're not alone. We're not, when we go into the conversations that we have at work or, or when we deal with the things that we deal with with our kids and when we're, 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 we're praying with people who are sick or whatever is happening in our lives, spiritual gifts or evidence is that God isn't just distant and left us alone. God is right here with us, empowering us to live a life for him. So spiritual gifts are evidence of, of Emmanuel. We don't desire gifts to elevate ourselves, but rather we desire them as active evidence of God's kingdom and glory in our lives. Active evidence of God's kingdom and glory in our lives. Before we actually get into the gifts, I want to make one more kind of side note on this. Spiritual gifts, the ones that we're going to talk about, they're not weird. Weird Christians have made them weird, right? And sometimes this is why we can't have nice things, right? So, so you, you, you just need to understand that, that, that like these are from God. These belong to God. Just like you and, my, you and I, we belong to God. These gifts belong to God. And he, just like he wants to use you to make an impact on this world for his kingdom, he's given you these gifts so you can make an impact on this world for his kingdom. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so they don't need to be weird. They don't need to be, we don't need to be afraid of them. We can actually participate in them and, and understand that they're actually from God and God wants to use us in that. So um, if People have made them weird, then they're weird, and that's why we can't have nice things. All right, so let's just put that aside. In reality, if you're a Christian who's in step with the Spirit, many of these things that we're going to talk about, you're like, wow, that's happened to me. Like, I, I've, I've, I've operated in the gift of prophecy before, and you're like, man, I, I, when I say the gift of prophecy, most of you guys know I've never done that. I guarantee you probably have. You probably have. And, and, and so it's, it's just so natural because if I'm living in, a, in, a, in my natural way is following the Spirit and I put the, to the, 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 the desires of the flesh to death and I'm saying, Spirit, my whole goal, my whole heart is to follow you. Do something in me so you can do something through me. And that's my heart. Then guess what? Naturally, the Spirit's presence is going to be evident in my life and the gifts of the Spirit are a part of that. Okay? So naturally, these things are going to happen in your life. Let me say it this way. The Spirit can be manifesting gifts in you in such a simple way that you may not even realize what's happening. But He knows. The Spirit knows what's happening. All right, let's talk about them. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 11. You ready? You ready? Let's do it. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between Spirits. That's discernment. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills, as he wills. So let's talk about the first one. Number one, the utterance or message of wisdom. Here, Paul calls back, and we've been walking through this series through the book of Corinthians. So we're not just airdropping into this passage in Corinthians. You guys can go back in this series. You can look at what we talked about in chapter, tw or chapter two, 
when Paul's writing this letter to the Corinthians, he's addressing some of the things that's happening in their church. And they thought that they were seeking their own wisdom. They thought that they were wise in their own eyes. And Paul says in chapter 2 that really the only wisdom that you need to be concerned about, guys, is the wisdom of Jesus Christ crucified. That's the context in which Paul is talking about. This is what he's saying. A, a theology uh, professor, his name's Gordon Fees, a charismatic Pentecostal guy, but this is what he says. There is a message of wisdom, quote-unquote, revealed by the Spirit is not some special understanding of the deeper things or mysteries or whatever you want to put there. Rather, it is the recognition that the message of Christ crucified is God's one true wisdom, a recognition that only comes for those who have received the Spirit. The revelation of wisdom of God is centered on the cross of Jesus Christ. It proclaims Jesus is the highest wisdom of all. This is in contrast to the human wisdom and the bickering that was happening amongst Paul. Well, I do this. Well, I do that. I'm not know this. You don't do that. I'm smarter than you here. No, 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 no. This is the group he's talking to. And he's saying there is a message of wisdom, the gospel of Christ that you can proclaim and that you can understand. And when you do that, that is a gift that the Holy Spirit is giving and operating in you. When you talk about the gospel, specifically the message of the cross, it is done in you and through you by the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I'd also say, notice that he lists this first. The message of wisdom is first. The message of wisdom that, that Jesus is crucified, that he's, he's died for your sins, he's risen again and, and for your victory, that message comes first. And this can simply be, as spirit, be seen as spirit-inspired preaching. The message of wisdom. Second, the message of knowledge. Some suggest that this is a supernatural gift of factual knowledge, and we've actually seen that happen in other areas of Scripture. And Peter, when there's a couple named Ananias and Sapphira, and what they did is they came to the church, and the whole church, what was happening then is um, I would, instead of me having my own bank account, what I would do is I would cash out everything, and then I would bring that to the church, and the church would basically decide you know, what needs would need to be met. It was that type of persecution. It was that hard living as a Christian in the early church where we had to take every family, every person had to pool all their resources for the needs to be met in the body. And so that's what they were doing in the early church. This is in Acts 5. You can read it. And so what happened is there was a couple who basically had had some money and they said that they didn't have as much as they actually had. They hid some back for themselves, but then they lied in front of the church. And Peter knew that they lied and so he, he called him out, and basically the people died right there in the church when he called him out. Acts 5, you can read the story. And so this actually happens, this factual knowledge happens. However, when you study it in this, this word, this message of wisdom in the Greek, you realize that it's a little different from what, uh, Paul's, from what Paul's talking about here and what happened with Peter. The message of wisdom uh, that, we, that we talked about in number one is logos sophia. That's the Greek word for it. it it's, 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 and then the message of knowledge is logos gnosis. It's just knowledge there. And so logos is the embodiment or concept of an idea. It's the word that we use for doctrine. It's the word that we use for theology. It's the, like the whole overarching idea of something. So this is the word that he's saying. And so there's a logos sophia. There's a, a idea, message of wisdom 
concept of wisdom that is Jesus Christ on the cross. And then there's this concept idea of knowledge, right? And so what we see here in John 1, 1, in verse 14, it, the, the John starts out and he says, In the beginning was the word, logos, that's the word there, and the word, logos, was with God, and the word, logos, was God. And, and then verse 14, it says this, And the word, logos, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son for the Father, full of grace and truth. Therefore... This is something closer to spirit-inspired teaching than it is just knowing facts about something, right? So when you have talked about God's grace and love and the gospel to someone, to a friend, to a, 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 um, a, a, a coworker, a relative, when you've done that, you've operated in a message of wisdom. When you teach someone knowledge that helps them on their spiritual journey. You've operated in a message of knowledge. Again, we don't have to make this weird. It's that God's working in us and through us and we can open ourselves up to say, God, whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing in my life, whatever you want to do in my life, God, I want to be a part of it. Message of wisdom, message of knowledge. Number three, faith. This can't be, if, if we're talking about a gift of faith that you receive, this can't be like a saving faith, right? Because we all have that. Everyone in the church has that. He's talking about something a little more. Rather, you can look at this as like the faith to move mountains. When your back is against the wall, when someone in the body is facing a mountain, when it, whenever it's sickness or disease or health or, or something's their family's falling apart, whenever that's happening, there can be a gift of faith that the Spirit gives you that says, you know what? God is in control. God can help you here. God can help us here. We don't have to give up. We don't have to give in. I know it's hard in the trenches, but when God gives you the gift of faith, he gives that for you and he gives that for your brothers and sisters. I've told a story about Liz and my friend. Uh, they're in Philadelphia right now. They've got a little toddler and that toddler's on his third or second bout of ke with chemo with leukemia. Gets better gets worse, gets better, gets worse. And that's just this fight that they're constantly living in. You better believe if my child was going through that, my faith might get a little low sometimes. And so God brings the body together. He gives the gift of faith to where that we can surround each other. We can lock arms. We can pray together. You can believe for someone else. And when that happens, the gift of faith is active in you. Number four, the gift of healing or the gifts of healing. The, the verse says gifts in plural. Um, it says uh, to another, gifts of healing by one spirit. Plural gifts. This plural shows us that there are various kinds of healing, such as sudden healing, gradual healing, physical healing, emotional healing, um, uh, medical healing, spiritual healing, uh, the healing that comes with medication, uh, things that, healing from shame, healing from guilt, healing, healing from rejection, healing from your past, healing from sin. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. And God has given us the gift of healing. Jesus says that, or Isaiah says that by Jesus' stripes, you and I are healed. Healed. So there's a gift of healing that can be manifested by the Spirit and you can absolutely seek this gift. 
You can seek this gift. Maybe right now your marriage isn't in the place where you want it to be. Maybe right now your relationship with your kids is not in a place where you want it to be. Maybe right now your relationship with your, your, your boss is not where you want it to be. Or maybe right now your own relationship with God is not where you want it to be. You can ask for the gift of healing. You can ask for the gift of healing and the Spirit will meet you there. So healing uh, is number, five, or number four. Number five, miracles. Miracles here, the, 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 the Greek here, it translates into this, it manifestations of God's power. Healing is absolutely a miracle, but th- this passage promises power beyond healing. Jesus did miracles beyond healing. He did miracles of provision, such as feeding 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish or turning water into wine. And he says this in John chapter 14, verse 12 and 13. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, this is Jesus talking, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do. Because I am going to the Father, and whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. God can do miracles in our lives today. And you can be a part of it. You can ask God for it. You can absolutely ask God for it. Number six, the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy. I know I'm going fast. You guys can watch this on, on video later, right? Maybe we should break this up and do it as a series. Anyway, gift of prophecy. There are two types of prophecy found in the Bible. First is foretelling. Foretelling, that's when I'm going to tell the future. Like in three days, this is going to happen, right? But what's more common in the Bible is the prophecy of foretelling. Foretelling is the declaration of God's truths into a situation, Declaring God's truth into a situation. Many of us have operated in the gift of prophecy. The Spirit has operated in the gift of prophecy in you and I without us even knowing it. Have you ever been talking to a friend and suddenly a verse that you read two weeks ago pops in your head and you're like, that's for this situation. That's for this. Have you ever had that happen? Or maybe you're talking to him and you're going back and forth with him and then all of a sudden you're like, man, I don't know why I need to share this with you, but I feel like you need to hear this. That's the gift of prophecy working in you. You can speak God's truths into a situation. It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be, thus saith the Lord. It doesn't have to do that. You can just simply say, I I just really believe that God wants me to share this with you. One more note about prophecy. A, A lot of people, you know, we were talking about kind of using the gifts um, earlier for spiritual pride and things like that. If you study prophecy um, throughout scriptures, you'll see that it's a deeply humbling practice. And so if, if you're like the kind of person that like, man, I just want to, I want to just be telling people stuff all the time and I'm going to say it's from God, you know, like that's, but I, I really like that kind of authority that comes from just telling things, telling people things and all that stuff. Prophecy is a deeply humbling experience. Many of the Old Testament prophets were killed as well as most of the New Testament apostles. Uh, operating in this gift causes, uh, it will require extreme humility from you in realizing that the Spirit, it's the Spirit's word, not mine, and the Spirit is the one who's gonna confirm and seal this word in the heart of the other person. It has nothing to do with you. So get out of the way. Get out of the way. 
Another thing, if you, if you study, um, a lot of times what you hear, if you have a Pentecostal background, I, I kind of grew up in this background, and so what you'll hear is, in, is you'll hear um, prophetic words just kind of going out, and they speak uh, in first person of God, right? It doesn't really happen in the Bible too much. When it, when it happens in the Bible, they talk about, thus saith the Lord. So it's very, very clear that God is talking here. It's not just some random guy is just starting talking the first person about God. In Revelation, there's a one time that it kind of does it, but just be very, very careful. There's nothing wrong if you feel like God has given you a prophetic gift and, and, and you feel like, man, I gotta share this verse. I gotta say, say this one thing to him. I feel like God's speaking to me right now. I need to say that there's nothing wrong with you saying, you know, I feel like God's telling me I need to share this with you right now. And then you just say what he says. Again, it doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be over the top. We can just make it as simple as possible. And I guarantee you the spirit can still use it. Okay, so we get to prophecy. How many of you guys have ever had that happen to you? You've just been talking to a friend and all of a sudden it's like, all of a sudden like, man, I just fucking need to say this to you. Like, it happens, right? I was doing a, a new members class at our church one time in Alabama and, um, lady grew up in a background where like they they kind of taught this like low-key fear of the gifts of the spirit that was her her church background and i was sharing this and she literally started crying in the member uh, in the middle of this new members class just crying and she's like i never knew that god was using me in my life i never knew i never knew this happens to me all the time and i'm asking god to help me and direct me and walk with me and all this stuff and she starts just sobbing there in the middle of this class and there's like 30 other people in the room and they're just looking at her and it's all like what's going on you know but the thing is is that she finally realized that god is walking with her and using her and that's what i want you to know today get to prophecy uh number seven and i'll wrap this up uh with with this one because we're going to talk about the last two in a couple weeks. The ability to distinguish between spirits. This is the gift of discernment. People who study the Bible, they think they're split. There's two different opinions about what this actually means. Is this distinguishing between good spirits and evil spirits? Or is this between, distinguishing between the spirit, the spirit of God, and my spirit? My spirit of like, you know, um, is, this, is this God speaking to me or is this the pizza I ate last night? You know, like you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Like is that, is that, is that what's happening? And so, but I would just say, why can't it be both? I believe that the, that the Spirit can give you the gift of discernment to where you know that the Spirit is actually working in you. This is not your own emotions. This is not your own wisdom. This is not your own action. This is not your own thoughts. The Spirit can be working in you and through you in the situation. You can be able to distinguish that. Or if there's a Spirit on something, there's some movies I do not let my kids watch. There's some things that we do not let our, in our house because there's a Spirit on that, Right? And so I can distinguish between those spirits as well. So it can be both. Gifts of discerning, discerning the spirit and how they're working and if it's a good spirit or a bad spirit in my life. And so that, that is a gift of the spirit. The last two that he talks about, and I'm just going to list them out really, really quickly. But again, these are, are covered in a lot more detail in chapter 14, so we're not going to do them today. That's various kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. You have to come back in two weeks to get that. So is everybody going to be back in two weeks? Yeah. Yeah, two weeks. Next week is chapter 13. Yeah, chapter 13, love. All right. All the gifts are for us today. 
All the gifts are for us today. They're for you and they're for me. 1 Corinthians 13, we'll read this next week. It talks about how some of these gifts are going to pass away when perfect comes. But how many of you know that we still live in a world that's lost and broken? It ain't perfect yet. It ain't perfect yet. One day it will be. One day we're not going to need a lot of, you're not going to need to discern between spirits because the spirit is going to be in control over everything, right? So, so it says that things might, these gifts may pass away in, or will pass away in chapter 13, but that's when perfect comes and perfect hasn't come yet. And so these gifts are for you and for me today. We should use every available gift of God to reach people far from God. I'm going to say that again. We should use every available gift of God to reach those far from God. I don't know if you've ever had a situation, had this when my daughter was in high school, where um, she was um, trying to uh, be, exercise her individuality, right? That's a really politically correct way to say she was rebelling, right? And I feel like I felt like as a father that I was losing connection with her. I was losing, like, there was like, man, I don't know. If she keeps going this way, like, it's, it's going, she's going far. And I don't know if she's going to come back. Right? And you better believe that when that was happening, I would use everything in my arsenal as a parent everything in my arsenal as a spiritual leader of my home, everything to make sure that that relationship was whole. And there are people that we know, there are people that we go to work with, that we go to school with, that they go, they're on a beeline away from God. And God has given us these gifts for us to say, look, you can use them. They're for you. They're for you today. And we should say, God, every gift that is in your arsenal, I want to use it because I want to take these people who are far from you and I want to pull them back in. And God will do that. Spiritual gifts prove that God wants us in the game. Spiritual gifts prove that God wants us in the game. The Spirit's not just doing it on his own. He's doing it through you and through me. So my question to you today is this. Have you been on the bench when you should be in the game? Have you been on the bench when you should be in the game? God wants to use you. He wants to work through you to reach people who are lost. And my prayer for you, my prayer for me, is God, whatever gift that you need, whatever you need to work out, whatever needs to come out of me, whatever needs to go in me, whatever needs to happen, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to be in the game. It's time for anyone who's on the bench to get off the bench and get in the game.